Hi there, and welcome along to On The Whistle. I'm your host, Zayn Nabi, and joining me around the bride today is our On The Whistle cross-platform reporter, Alistair Howarth. Alistair, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I feel like it's been a, been a couple of weeks since I've been on the pod, so I'm kind of feeling a little rusty, but also very excited. Rusty, you never. You needed a break after the WAFCON, so hopefully you've had some good time to get some R&R. Um, and today we have author Itmo Dubinsky joining us to talk about his book, Entrepreneurial Goals, Development and Afri-Capitalism in Ghanaian Soccer Academies. We're looking forward to getting stuck into this. Itmo, you're dialing in from Tel Aviv today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. Thank you very much, Zain and Ali, for having me. No worries. We're, we're so happy to get stuck into this book, but we're trying not to scare off all the football fans around the bride today. Itzma, explain Afri-capitalism in 30 seconds. Well, it's a concept that uh, means that Africans can develop the continent according to their own expectations, need and visionaries for the future, rather than um, using theories from foreign, from foreign regions that are implemented in the continent. So it basically means that Africans are using their own resources to promote development in such way that would also trickle down to other communities and would not only serve just a few for the accumulation of wealth. So it's another way of looking at it is creating wealth or using capitalistic structures in order to create a broader circle of beneficiaries from those from from those ventures that are being implemented. Thank you. I think that explains it well. It's people doing it for themselves in a way that's sustainable on the continent. Um, for those out there who haven't picked up the book, for the layman football fan, how would you explain what your book is about? Well, my book examines football academies, which are structures where um, boys and also girls go and receive some football training. And also, in addition to, the, to those football training, they also go and they study something, get something beyond just them um, kicking the ball and they're learning how to um, how to maneuver the, the field. So I'm looking at those structures that they inter intertwine school and sports. And I'm examining what are those local development impacts that those structures have? How do those structures contribute to local populations, to achieving local needs for development? So I'm really looking at those structures that were built, those academies that were built and founded by Africans and in my context, the Ghanaians, and how those Ghanaians are using those structures in order to promote um, local and individual and communal and expectations and visions for development. Mm, that, that's really, really interesting. And you can see that thread in terms of the ac academies you actually spend time with. You know, when you mention African academies, we think of the big ones, you know, Right to Dream and Generation Foot. But, you know, you those are, you know, European academies essentially in Africa, whereas you focused on kind of these three more locally based ones, you know, the Mandela Soccer Academy, the Kumasi Sports Academy and Unistar Soccer Academy. I mean, can you tell us a little about these academies and, and are, you know, for, particularly for those of us interested in footballers, you know, have they produced and who are the players that they produce that maybe we would, you would know about? Well, yeah, I can start with Unistar Academy, though that this academy produced um, 
many players that are now playing abroad. Um, not necessarily ones that we might um, know from this season, but uh, Lumurag Benieno, he's a defender playing for the left side. He, he's been playing in Portugal and Spain for a couple of years. He also reached the national team. Um, Bernard Tekpete, he played in Schalke in Germany. Now he's in uh, Bulgaria doing really, really well in a, in Ludogorets in Bulgaria. So they've produced a lot of um, 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 players that are playing uh, abroad. And that's one of the academies that I've been looking at, uh, seeing how the founder, Ernest Ufour, not the defender from uh, Bayern Munich, but um, um, he, he was an accountant by profession. And he and his wife actually established this, this academy. And then um, he really liked football. He really wanted to do something for the local um, uh, for a local village there uh, outside of the capital of Akran in the Kasoa. So we established this academy there. And um, I would say that that is the successful, um, I would say successful chapter of my book, seeing how a, a, a local entrepreneur uses his resources and uh, in order to promote this academy that also has um, ripple effects um, beyond just the playing field um, among the different uh, local population that lives and surrounds the academy. So that's Unistar Soccer Academy. In addition to that, I've looked also at Kumasi Sports Academy that was founded by King James Assuming. He's, he was a physical, he was a, um, a sports teacher and then a sports um, writer. And uh, he wanted to do something in Kumasi um, to incorporate also boys and girls, which was a uh, very unique back then. I mean, he also, uh, you mentioned the Ali uh, Right to Dream. So he actually even had a girls team, uh, established a girls team even before Right to Dream uh, had done so. And, um, and and he's done really well in this direction of, um, of, of, of bringing girls from the northern and also from the central parts of, of Ghana an opportunity to play sports and football and then develop their own careers. Some of the, some of the girls that have been uh, playing there are now playing for the national team in Ghana, they're playing abroad and, um, and, and beyond that, it also um, challenges um, stereotypical notions in Ghana about um, uh, labor, about the gender division, about what men can do and what women can do. So this academy really challenges these, these notions and saying that women can also play sports and can play football and can do so uh, very well, much even much better at times than the black stars. And then I've been looking at the, at the Mandela Soccer Academy, which is, was founded in Accra by Muhammad Isa. And Muhammad, he was born in Ghana to a third generation family that migrated from Lebanon. And one of his goals, in addition to um, attaching um, the educational elements to sports, was also ch to challenge prevailing uh, stereotypes about Ghanaian Lebanese in the society. Uh, one of those stereotypes views Lebanese as a society, as a community that only cares about themselves, only cares about doing money, and doesn't really care about um, about the broader community um, in Ghana. And so um, Muhammad tried to utilize the popularity of sports and uh, his uh, benevolence in order to, to, to challenge these stereotypes, to show that there is a Ghanaian Lebanese that cares about Ghanaians, cares about the society and wants to do something good also for, for the rest of the community. And so that's also been a very interesting uh, academy to look at. And in each academy, we can see how there are different uh, successes, different failures and different ways in which all these entrepreneurs have utilized their resources in order to promote personal and communal goals and hence the Afro-capitalistic element within those academies using uh, football, which is a very capitalistic uh, structure nowadays in order to achieve development goals that can also serve um, the broader community, not just one's pocket, but also different people surrounding the community and the, surrounding the academy.
Hmm, that's fascinating. I mean, that's definitely one of the the kind of threads we we pick up so much on this podcast is, you know, how do we take advantage of a system in football that is so often left behind Africa and then kind of extracted its resources, as we've seen in so many other industries, without you know benefiting the local population. And so I suppose that's my first my kind of first question about that is, you know, one of the big criticisms about these big academies, you know, say take for instance, you know, Generation Foot, you know, their connection with Mets and friends. All their players go directly there and you know but then we look at the senegalese premier league is really struggling despite the senegalese national team being full you know being the best in africa so i suppose my question is how have these academies kind of interacted with you know the ghana premier league but also the, the wider pyramid you know has it contributed players you know are they part of the system what, what does that what does that look like so yeah so definitely there was three academies that i've been looking at they they seek those cooperations with European clubs, with the Mets or with other like other clubs in Europe that they want it because it definitely gives them a vital income so that they can um, then build up on this income and then sustain themselves. Um, but um, those three academies that I've been focusing on, they did not yet create those uh, links abroad. And that was also one of the things that fascinated me so much about them was uh, about the focus not so much on those Europeans coming to Africa and establishing academies, but actually on Africans using their own resources to establish uh, the academies. So uh, the academies that I've been looking at um, kind of sustain themselves but uh, by um, creating links with the agents and scouts and uh, those agents and scouts that then um, um, kind of promoted those players abroad in Europe and then uh, try and, and then once those players are, are in Europe and then they pass through another team and another team, then they receive some um, solidarity fees every time the player um, transfers uh, to a different club. And then uh, this money trickles down to the academy or it reaches the pocket of the founder. And then the founder um, uses the, the money according to his or the community's uh, needs. So in Unistar, for example, they, um, it has, and I think at least 15 players that are now playing abroad, and over 100 playing domestically in in Africa, in Ghana, and also some in even in South Africa and in, in, in Ethiopia and other leagues. So usually, what this um, usually what Ernest Kofur does when he gets those uh, the income from those players is um, first um, improving the training pitch and also building. Um, um, building structures that would serve the broader community, such as improving the stands in the pitch, um, building a, a purifying a, a water system so that the players can use a wash and a shower with them and proper um, um, water um, um, and do all kinds of things that they would serve also the players and the, and the, and the, and the fans and not just um, his own uh, family. And in terms of um, what you asked, um, if I understood correctly your question, whether those players also, oh, you know what, maybe Ali, you can repeat if I, if I haven't answered your question, maybe you can repeat it uh, just to make sure I, I, I answer it correctly. <laughs> yeah, no, it was more it was more about, you know, what is the relationship between the, the academies and the actual league systems? You know, are they a part of the Ghana football pyramid or, you know, what is that relationship like? Right. Um, yeah, that's that's a very interesting um, um, take to, to to look at because currently the league doesn't Ghana doesn't really have a, a league for academies. So those academies, a Unistar academy, they need to play in the second uh, second uh, league. And um, so um, 
Twitch Academy needs either to organize itself its own games or to um, play in a lower division leagues. And they tried to form an academy league, but it uh, failed because uh, some of the teams said that they, it takes too much uh, resources from them. They can't uh, take the bus for like a 12 hours uh, drive to the northern uh, part of, uh, of Ghana. And then the kids will skip school or they won't have enough time during the weekend to, 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 to study. So it, it's often um, so, so like establishing um, a league of academies hadn't really worked uh, in Ghana. So usually what the Ghanaian national, youth national teams are doing is that, that they are in touch with those academies and they are um, calling those uh, talented ones to represent uh, Ghana in a, in a youth uh, youth level. And then those uh, youth players then um, either move to, uh, to Europe or move to professional um, Teams in Ghana, such as uh, Accra Hearts of Oaks or um, Asante Kotoko in, uh, in Kumasi, and then those players move to Europe. Uh, or some of those some of those teams, like uh, FC Dreams, they have uh, good connections with um, with agents in Europe, and then they just transfer them directly the players to Europe. Um, so, so Ghana hasn't really implemented uh, like an academy uh, system in terms of a league. It's more like that the academies are feeding the other professional teams in Ghana, the first division uh, teams in Ghana, and they are feeding them with uh, talented players, and then they move abroad or they just um, directly move those players uh, to to Europe. I was going to say, Itmo, you're definitely coming from a perspective that football academies can be a positive force in environments, right? Like, and I get that. I guess my question is, there are those out there who will think a football academy should purely be based about football excellence, an elite high-performing school, probably linked in with a club or a national federation. Um, otherwise, you risk some of these academies that we've seen that have been set up that have been used to exploit and, um, you know, uh, suck money and resource from a community. Um, am I right in saying the three academies you looked at for all intents and purposes were pretty well run and from what you're saying, actually giving back to those communities where they were based in? Yes, so so um, first of all, I'll definitely answer your last question. Before that, I'll say that the academy system in Ghana uh, developed as a response to those exploitations of uh, young uh, youngsters that um, grew up without really having a lot of knowledge in terms of reading and writing, and then go going to Europe at a very young age and then being uh, kind of exploited in terms of money. Uh, one such example is a uh, Neo Dalti Lamti, who, who was the star of the 1990s youth teams and Olympic teams in, a, in, in Ghana, and then went to do a very um, impressive professional career. But uh, after he retired, and um, he, he said, he told me in, in the academy that he founded that he lost a lot of his money because he couldn't read and write properly, and then agents uh, took advantage of it. So that's why he founded his academy in a Cape Coast in Ghana in order to teach children how to read and write and, 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 and know better than he is done. And so, so, so the academy system in Ghana developed as a response to those who were exploited by, 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 by a lot of uh, agents with the intention that they will also um, get proper high-level football and also go to school. The problem is that um, I, 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 I have to say that, for example, 
um, in many occasions, or even I, I will take Unistar as an example, and a, a, a successful example, as I mentioned, mentioned earlier, um, but as a, a successful example in sports. But in education, it often happened that they, I had to wait for many um, minutes or even more than a few minutes for um, the children and me to go to school and attend school. And it's not something that um, it's the fault of the children or something. It's um, it's um, it's a result of the um, of the schedule that those children and those um, youngsters um, 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 are expected to perform and uh, to go to training in the morning and then after after the morning uh, training to attend school for for six or eight hours and then to return for another training. So it's a very um, um, heavy load of a day. So many of those children kind of, um, I would say, struggled coping and struggled, so struggled paying attention throughout the entire day of the school day. And also in Kumasi Sports Academy, it happened uh, quite a lot that um, during the time that I spent in Ghana, there were a lot of problems in terms of electricity. So um, um, there wasn't electricity, there were um, less um, the way that there was less resources for people in terms of uh, buying a um, basic food, and so um, oftentimes the children, those children who were in the academy, and then um, had their morning training, and after the morning training, and um, they didn't really eat. I would say eat properly, um, and and in and 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 then during school time, they found found it uh, quite difficult to concentrate. So, so I would say that in so so there is a an amazing potential for football academies and in particular those three academies that I focused. But there are definitely um, 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 challenges that they are facing, local challenges that they are facing, um, in order to provide what European uh, academies such as Right to Dream or Generation Foot um, can uh, provide for for others. And that, that was one of the things that I found very interesting, and that's why I wanted to focus on those three academies to, to, to see how Ghanaians are coping with those problems and how they are trying to find uh, solutions to the problems that they are facing, which um, it's not just the, the, the problems that those three academies are facing. I'm sure that um, other entrepreneurs in Africa, um, um, regardless where, where they are, will also cope with, uh, we need to cope with the uh, problems of intertwining education and sports, intertwining uh, um, the, the, the infrastructure that they have in terms of uh, electricity um, uh, problems and the uh, other shortages um, and other uh, um, um, climate problems that they are facing uh, with uh, what they hope to, to give uh, the players. Um, so again, did I ask? Did I did I answer your question, Zane? And if not, please let me know, and I'll try and be more precise. No, you've answered it well, and I think you've probably <laughs> teed up Alistair for a nice follow up. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess my yeah, well, you know, there clearly are challenges to these academies, you know, given their local situation, but also later, like you said, competing with these kind of external organizations that can provide kind of unlimited cash flow and things like that to. To create kind of microclimates where you know they can be really successful but it in you know it's very insular it doesn't you know help the local communities and i guess my question would be like you know structurally how how are these academies actually run like what are the differences between these academies and you know what are what are the measures for success you know are they profitable you know are they are they sustainable you know it, are they looking you know how many numbers can we actually get to turn professional like what are their measures for, for um, yeah, so first of all, in terms of structures, um, 
Unistar has their own uh, dormitory and they have so and they have their own uh, um, um, training facility, training grounds. They have their own uh, feeding um, hall with uh, three or four cooks that they are hiring and that, that they're cooking um, excellent food in terms of the nutritious values for the children. So they're really um, top level in terms of them, um, in terms of uh, I, I, I would expect uh, an academy to, to have. Um, they have uh, mosquito nets uh, on the beds of the children so they won't catch malaria. They have uh, good corporations with a local, local clinic. So um, they have a video room in which they can watch uh, videos uh, videos of uh, games from uh, games from Spain and the Premier League and Bundesliga and other uh, other 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 leagues in Europe. So, um, which kind of inspire children to um, try and imitate those uh, Africans or even Europeans. So, um, and also they have cooperation with local high schools and, uh, and 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 other schools in the region. So that's one way of uh, looking. Uh, so that's one setting. So, um, usually at around six to six thirty in the morning, they will have a football training. Then around uh, eight, they will go and shower the children, and then around nine, they will go to school. And then um, in, in the meantime, they'll have a lunch break. And then afternoon, they return uh, back to the dormitory and then uh, either prepare their homework or will be too tired to prepare their homework and then um, just go and sleep and rest. And then they'll have their afternoon training. So that's uh, pretty much a Unistar. In Kumasi Sports Academy, also quite similar, just that the Kumasi have their own um, um, school facility. So they hire the schools and the teachers from the nearby KNA USD University. So they're hiring um, teachers who um, finished um, studying in the nearby university. And then um, they have like over 10 or 15 subjects that they are teaching there. And so um, and they're even teaching the children a French in order to expand their possibilities of uh, migration later on. Um, to um, French leagues, so um, that's that, that's really um, a, another setting, and they also have their own cook, their own uh, um, uh, dormitory, their own um, um, TV hall. Where um, I think that the, when I reached there, yeah, the last time that I came, I see that they um, that the leagues actually weren't playing. The leagues in Europe weren't break, so I think that the Indian uh, shows really um, they, they all watched the Indian uh, TV shows uh, dubbed Indian dubbed in Twee, um, um, I wonder if also in South Africa and Kenya those are popular. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> are you talking Very about the Bollywood so. the Bollywood shows? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. To, I'm led to believe at one point in South Africa in the afternoons the dubbed Bollywood shows were very popular. I'm not quite sure they hold much sway now, but yeah, mm -hmm. I, I certainly know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In in Kenya in Kenya we had um you know it was in in the in, in the uh, weekends you know you either had all the Premier League games, all La Liga games. And then if you weren't, if, if those weren't on in the kind of movie houses that we'd go to, it's always, always Bollywood. So very, very good to hear that it's also thriving in Ghana. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I think a Kukum Kukum Baganda, something like this. I'm, I'm, I'm not pronouncing the name correctly, but that was a hit. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so that's in Kumasi Sports Academy. In Mandela Sports Academy, where uh, Muhammad, uh, um, where Muhammad, the Lebanese Ghanaian entrepreneur, established, so he didn't really have enough um, uh, facilities and funding to provide dormitories. So, but he did uh, rent a car, that uh, a bus that uh, took the children from their um, houses, brought them to school, and then from school to the training ground, and then from the training ground um, back to a place where they ate, ate dinner, and then back to their homes. So he found a way to. Um, um, 
provide uh, an alternative solution to the lack of dormitories they could fund. So these are pretty much the settings in each academy. And now regarding your second question, what is success? How do we determine the success of the academy? That's a really um, um, difficult question that I also am. Um, I think I think at the beginning when I started my my my, my MA and when I started the research, I thought that success would be moving to Europe. So the so um yeah so like Prado goes to Europe, gets a contract, and that's it. He made it. But uh, even there in Europe, there are a plethora of difficulty that those players um, need to uh, need to um, um overcome. Um, accommodation or um, adjusting to 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 a particular league um, and and many other um, 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 uh, problems in Europe or elsewhere. So, and so, so, so I, I, st- I realized that um, even those players that migrated to Europe were, were not necessarily making it, and they were also subject to um, to predatory agents and other uh, detrimental uh, consequences of modern capitalistic uh, nature of the of the, of the of the football world. And so, I expanded uh, my view of what success can be, and also that success is not necessarily short lived. Um, for for example. Um, I had, uh, for example, on, on the Kumasi Sports Academy, there was this one, uh, one, one uh, player that uh, tore his uh, his ligament and was uh, severely injured, and so he was was mentally was in very um, um, bad state. Uh, but then a, a year later, when I returned to the academy, I saw that his condition much improved, not necessarily in terms of medicine in his medical condition, but uh, the academy sent him to a to to be like a. A, a, a physician, a, like a physician, a healthcare um, um, a course, so that he could provide healthcare to the health um, assistance of the children and during training. So, so for him, success was to actually get a, a profession that could later on serve him in life, in life as a first aider in a, in the team and maybe even on other teams. Um, some uh, some even went to universities after um, finishing uh, their education and uh, went on to work in, a, in in jobs that are not necessarily in football but got something from the education that they received. Um, for, for in Unistar, for example, my success uh, or the success I witnessed wasn't only of, of the players and the and the interpreters, but also of the village people that surround the academy. Because before the academy came to to this area, um, there wasn't really any um, cultural um, or sportive cultural element within the within the village. But now, but since the Unistar arrived, suddenly um, dozens and, and and hundreds of 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 people from that village now have something that they can uh, cheer for that unites everyone, and they are very very happy to um to to, to go to those matches. It's like the, the the pitch of the academy became the center point central point of the village. So. So that's also another indication of of success. Uh, some some vendors in Kumasi Sports Academy, for example, they are they can now sell much more water each day because the academy trains near their near their water stand, and uh, it becomes really hot uh, on on some days of some some months of the year, and so they sell um, and they make much more profit than they would have done before the academy. So there are all those different signs of success that do not necessarily actually stem from the migration of, of a player to, to Europe, but actually from, um, from other ways that um, entrepreneurs use those academies in, in ways that uh, involve also the communities surrounding them, um, which kind of differ from European academies that I've seen in Ghana 
published an academy in, in, in Ghana, but it was a very secluded academy. If you wanted to enter the academy and I really wanted to, to see what's going on, I had to um, make a, a visa to have like a, an appointment with someone from the academy and then to pass through a, a gate. And it was a very secluded um, experience. Um, they explained this seclusion or they explain this seclusion, say do so, but it leads to this separation between the academy and the, and the community. It creates an academy as like an particular community, whereas the, they functioned um, in ways that reflected um, and, and intertwined with the uh, local um, daily lives of the community that surrounded them. That, that's really interesting. And I, and I think it's also really an important part of the academies, obviously, is, you know, that equipping for, you know, other aspects of life other, other than football. I mean, we saw it I feel like we see a lot more awareness of this in the women's side of the game where there isn't as much money. So, you know, like the Banyana Banyana team that just won the Women's Africa Cup of Nations. You know, when I was speaking to them, you know, half of them are either a university or are going to university or, you know, and are studying alongside because there's such, you know, that recognition that actually, yeah, success can mean something very different than necessarily, you know, becoming a professional footballer. I mean, I, I, after listening to you talking about these academies, like I, my next question would be, you know, which, which of these three academies would, would you send your, your child to if they were an aspiring kind of footballer and wanted to, to become a professional? Wow, 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 that's a really difficult, uh, that, that's, that, that's the most difficult question I've been asked, I think. Um, um, usually in class, when uh, students ask me a question I don't know, I say, that's a very difficult question. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll get back to you next week in the my next uh, teacher's response. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so, so in order to um, be diplomatic about it, I would say that I would send uh, my first child to Mandela, the second child to Kumasi, and the third to Unistar. Uh, <laughs> I, I, should, I should have told you Alistair was the top student on his course. <laughs> Well, I was about to say, I thought you were a teacher, but actually it turns out you're a politician. You know, these are these are the right answers. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, because because each each brings something different. Um, the, my Mandela does bring this element of um, um, emphasis on education, emphasis on breaking stereotypes, emphasis on looking beyond a uh, Ghanaian culture. Uh, Muhammad, because Muhammad, he, 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 he was born in Ghana, but he actually, he, he migrated to England at, at a very young age because during the 60s, during the 70s, Ghana experienced a very negative uh, economic, uh, very harsh economic crisis and, and the Lebanese community were, um, um, were blamed um, by many um, Ghanaian politicians and Ghanaian uh, military personnel for, for, for being the reason why Ghana, or one of the reasons why Ghana's economy declined. And so many Lebanese had to actually escape Ghana. Um, and, and, and so in this negative process, actually Muhammad um, said that um, it actually expanded his, his horizons uh, to view other cultures, learn from other cultures, and, and that's what he's trying to do also in, in his academy. Um, for example, um, 
uh, every every week he had the same uh, seminar where, where he taught children about different aspects in, on the world or different theories that they haven't really studied um, or different people in the world that they didn't really um, uh, um, studied about in their school, such as uh, there was this one class about o Oprah Winfrey. So um, um, and, and speaking about all, all kinds of concepts like uh, self-compassion, uh, helping our ones, uh, helping us before we help others or, or all kinds of concepts. Um, um, some of them in like individual concepts and might um, uh, contradict concepts they, that, that they grew up with. Um, um, but some of them are also concept um, or learning about Nelson Mandela or learning about um, um, other inspiring African people or other inspiring people from the world that can uh, teach us uh, beyond the, teach, teach them beyond what they study in school. So, so Mandela Soccer Academy is definitely a, 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 a very attractive one in terms of expanding our horizons. Kumasi, of course, in terms of uh, women's uh, women's engagement, uh, women's uh, football. Um, um, in terms of their connection to the to, to the women's national teams, in terms of their connection to the women's league, so definitely a lot of um, uh, opportunities there. And the Unistar because um, of their connections to Europe, because of their success in terms of. Uh, building an academy that is part of the community, that is supported by the community, and which has, uh, I would say, perhaps more resources for the future to um, expand their academy because of those transfers, because of the players that they transfer abroad. So um, they have a higher potential of receiving those uh, solidarity fees from future transfer fees and then uh, further expand their, their academy. So I would say that this is definitely my answer. Each of the academies has its own positive elements and of course the negative elements, which I mentioned earlier. So neither of, of, the, of them is perfect, but um, they're all uh, unique. Uh, they're all, um, they, they all have their positive um, elements. Itmo, your um, insight has been fantastic for those people listening out there. If you have any questions about this interview or about uh, any um, anything else or any story suggestions for On The Whistle, please hit us up at our social media accounts, OTW underscore podcast at Twitter and Instagram, or you can just post your comments on Facebook or YouTube at the On The Whistle podcast, um, uh, On The Whistle or podcast uh, pages. Um, Itmo, we're winding down the interview. Just a couple more questions. I guess from my side i wanted to ask who actually regulates these academies um in in ghana from uh whether it's you know football excellence safeguarding um you know all, all these things is it, is it local agencies or does uh the the, the the national federation have an interest in this Right, that's actually a question which also fascinated me a lot in my daily stay in those academies. I was wondering who who's in charge, who who who's checking whether the whether those children are getting proper food, whether the whether the the education they they receive um, reflects what the education should be in terms of the the age group they are in. Yeah, so in terms of of the level of football, the Ghana Football Association. They, I would say, um, some of them pay a visit once a year or so, or so to academies to, to to see what's going on there. But um, but 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 basically, the supervision is that the academies need to fill some forms in terms of um, what, what what they do, and then get a license of an academy or some some kind of a, an academy license from the from the GFA. Um, but there isn't really, from what I've seen, there there wasn't um, perhaps a daily or weekly or monthly 
provision, there were mainly um, meetings in which the founders of the academies went to Accra, to the GFA, to the Ghana Football Association, and had meeting with, meetings with them uh, whenever they had some issues or uh, problems, such as uh, transferring, let's say, one player from Unistar was uh, went to play in a, in, 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 a, in a Hearts of Oak, and then from Hearts of Oak went to play in Sante Kotoko, but uh, Hearts of Oak didn't uh, give uh, enough money to Unistar from, the, from, from, from this transfer, so going to settle disputes um, that's what I've seen the main um, the, the main involvement of the GFA in trying to mediate all kinds of problems between academies and other professional teams. In terms of the level of education, um, so the academies, for example, Kumasi Sports Academy, they um, they, 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 they are um, they, they, they are under supervision of the um, Asante or the under the um, Kumasi, I would say Kumasi and municipality. So definitely there are teachers that are evaluating, making sure that they are doing a proper uh, education there. And also they are um, an accredited center for the WASI exam, for the West African um, um, West African um, um, like exam that la later on can lead those children to universities. So um so the Kumasi Academy that, that they founded their own school, they are being supervised by the educational system also in the city where they are and also more broadly in the national one. Uh, and in terms of the um, Mandela Academy, also there, the, 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 the Muhammad sent the children to um, local schools. There, they are um, excellent schools in the in, in the in the in the neighborhood of uh, Labone. Um, um, neighborhood in Accra, which also are under supervision of the Accra and also of the Ghanaian educational systems. So there was definitely some um, some supervision there and some um, some um, regulation going on there. Um, but, but, but also perhaps, um, yeah, but, um, but, 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 but it would, would be it would, actually I mean it would be very interesting to compare the the, the, the level of, it, of regulation going on there and maybe regulations in other academies in Africa or in Europe I didn't which I didn't really see so I don't really know how to compare the, the regulation I've seen but from what I've seen I've seen some some involvement of the of the state and some involvement of the municipality in those academies, perhaps not in the level that those academies wished for. And um, when, when, when there weren't enough uh, football um, footballs um, to, to, to play with, so those academies usually went to the GFA for some assistance and they didn't really necessarily get, got, get, get this, assistant, uh, this, this assistance, but, um, but there, were, there were definitely ties with the GFA and with the educational system in Ghana and perhaps, but not in not in the, ex, the extent to which the uh, the academies uh, wished for. This has been really fascinating to listen to you, Itma. I just have one more question before we wrap mm -hmm. it all up. And you know, around the world, we tend to think of Ajax Amsterdam and Barcelona as the standard bearers for football academies. It's a football education. There's what you can learn also in the classroom and how that sets people up. And of course, those clubs have a very effective business model set up around those those clubs, right? Because even if you the players don't make it big, somebody from um, other smaller leagues or smaller clubs will still buy your players. I'm wondering... Um, when you look at Ghana, when you look at the rest of Africa, is there an African example that you think is the standard bearer on the continent? I mean, we don't have to limit this to what you've seen in Ghana, but in, from your perspective, what would be uh, the model uh, academy on the continent? Well, um, in, in Senegal, it's definitely interesting to see what's going on in Senegal to see whether um, uh, whether in Senegal, uh, you know, it maybe 
Yeah, it's 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 really difficult to say. I really don't I really don't know actually. Um, I mean, for some time in Cote d'Ivoire, there was a uh, one academy, ASIC, uh, which had some good connections in Belgium and looked like uh, it's going. Uh, it is able to sustain itself, but um, but uh, they also had some uh, ups and downs. So, so it's a really difficult question. I really don't know actually uh, in terms of what were one academy. I, I would say, um, um, yeah, there was one uh, Salif Keita Academy, uh, but yeah, I, I really don't know actually. It's a really excellent question. I mean, looking beyond, I think, I, I think that's that's maybe um, something for the future for me, like to look beyond. This is your next book. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a that's a great uh, great suggestion. No. Because you know the Essek Mimosas, who you mentioned earlier, exactly. were, were, were legendary for what they used to do. I mean, Ajax Amsterdam came into Cape Town with lots of fanfare. Um, I think Tottenham at one point had links with SuperSport United in South Africa, and and, and all across the mm -hmm. continent we sometimes see these partnerships. But it must have been fascinating hearing about your research, uh, finding out thank about you. Ghana football. Um, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Um, we wish you well with um, any future projects and endeavors and certainly hope that you won't be a stranger. We could bring you back onto the show wearing your Ghana jersey. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time.